I'm so glad that you're here with us tonight. We're going to go right into the Word this evening because I want to be sure we cover all of this tonight and wrap up on John chapter 1, verse 40 through 45. And this is a wonderful, wonderful story we're going to look at. You know, years ago, I mean many years ago, when I was, Becky and I were, we hadn't been married too awfully long, we heard a um, pastor that was older than I am now. Let's put it that way. He was older than I am now. And we both, had, because we grew up in church, we weren't as affected by the Jesus people movement that swept America as others were. But I was very familiar with it because of a ministry I was working with and, uh, and some of the young people I was working with, some that still are friends today, that are still living. And they had a, they had a house in Macon, Georgia, um, right up on top of a hill called His High Place. And we talked about mountains a little bit Sunday morning. Some of the most wonderful people I ever met. But the problem was they were not really welcome at the church that I grew up in. Do you want to know why? Their hair was long. They, they had beards. And it was just, you know, they didn't fit what our church thought a Christian should look like or dress like. And I, I remember just their love for Jesus. I would and I hate to say this, not from my mom and dad, but because people in our church would be critical, I'd sneak off to go down there and, and worship the Lord with those wonderful, wonderful young people. Now today, they all look like me. They're all trimmed up, and some of them don't even have any hair anymore. They just remember the glory days when they did. But one of the things that I remembered about them was how loving, how kind, and Touching people that other people, especially in churches, didn't want to touch. And the color of your skin didn't matter to them. There were just so many different things. They were just wonderful, wonderful folks that I was so glad to call my friends. I've never forgotten that. It's impacted a lot of how I do ministry, uh, from where I've bathed lepers in India to where I've gone into homes that, trust me, I've I pled the blood of Jesus before I've gone into those homes because of, of some of the places I've been overseas because I learned from them the power of touch. And I want to talk to you tonight about the, the power of Jesus' touch in our lives. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. If you are willing you can heal me and make me clean. Let's say that together. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. The word heal and clean there are both the same words. I want you to note that tonight. This is both the same words because this word for clean is also a word for heal. And you'll understand a little more if you don't already about this as we go along with the message tonight. Move with compassion, and I was talking to my son earlier today, this is one of those Greek words that's hard to pronounce, but it's just like a gut level. He and I were talking before the service tonight, and it's kind of a gut, you feel it. And I know that it doesn't sound very polite, especially in mixed company to say, but it really is. It's, it's like a move, the, the way the Greeks described it, the way the Jews described it, it would be almost like a... a, a and, and pardon me, but I'm just trying to help you understand the word. It's like a moving of the bowels that you feel here. It's, it's a gut-level compassion that Jesus was feeling. Thankfully, Becky's not in here to correct me and say, don't talk like that. So move with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. 
And then Jesus sent him on with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy, and this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word and proclaiming to everyone what had happened. Wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't you want to tell somebody? Wouldn't you want to share the good news? And, and so we understand this, but he disobeyed the Lord right here. And there's a reason that Jesus told him what he did. And as a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people kept coming everywhere to him. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what Keith has prayed tonight. But I do ask you to open up our hearts and eyes. Open up our hearts, Lord, to believe. Open up our hearts, Lord, to be moved with compassion. Open up our eyes, Lord, to those around us that you can touch through our lives. And open up our eyes to the amazing power, the amazing healing power, the amazing keeping power, the amazing saving power of your presence in our life. For it's in Jesus' name I ask tonight. Amen and amen. When you read the story about this leper, this was a really, really dreaded disease. This was a disease that, um, that gradually began to eat away the nerves so you didn't have any pain. You've heard me recommend the book by Dr. Paul Brand many times about pain and how pain is a blessing. When the, something's hurting, you know something's wrong. You may not know what's causing it, and the doctor may not even know what's causing it at first, but pain is a blessing. The problem with leprosy is it begins to decay and eat away the pain, the nerve endings that communicate to the rest of the body about the pain that you're experiencing. Dr. Bram would do, and he was, before he died, he was a world-renowned surgeon for doing reconstruction on the hands of lepers that had literally been eaten away. And oftentimes, he could restore a hand. He could maybe attach a hand. But there still was no feeling because of the lack of the nerves. And sometimes during the night, these poor people in India would not know that a rat was eating at their hand and eating away and eat their hand up that he had attached to them once they left the hospital. When I visited the hospitals, I talked in India about these very issues and pain, as much as we hate pain, pain can be a blessing because it lets you know that something is wrong. Our biggest disease today is not leprosy, it's cancer. And I hate that word. I hate that word with a passion. We lost a good friend and a dear brother in Christ this week to cancer from our congregation. I have a brother-in-law very, very sick tonight with cancer. But they were surrounded by people who loved them, so people who cared them. I, tonight, I, even on the way to church, I was trying to call one more time just to touch base and to say I love you and to pray because Gary and I have been friends since Bible college. One of the first people I met, we were roommates in college. Becky and my sister were roommates in college, so we swapped roommates. And boy, life's been a whole lot better. We've often teased about that with one another. I, yesterday, meeting with our friends family and just loving with them and sitting with them and talking with them. These oftentimes, these lepers though, and I should say oftentimes, always these lepers died alone. They didn't die cared for. 
Mother Teresa said, the biggest disease today, of course, is not leprosy or cancer. It's not leprosy or cancer. Get that. It's the feeling of being uncared for, unwanted, or deserted, and being alone. That's a powerful quote. Because you and I naturally think of cancer as being that dreaded C word we never want to hear. If we'd have been living in Jesus' day, it would have been leprosy. But Mother Teresa has put her finger on something, and though she had already died, I, when I was at her leprosorium in, in Calcutta and bathing those lepers and caring for them and talking to them and listening to them say thank you, and it was so moving because I remembered these words of hers. And may we, none of us, ever be alone and ever be uncared for. And I can promise you, as long as you're part of Woodland Church, you will always be cared for and you will always be loved. But this moves me tonight when I read it, and I've read this over and over. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say I've read it well over a thousand times through my life. This man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. I don't know that I've ever been at the point, and circle that in your outline tonight. I put that verse there, begging. I don't, because I've been taught, I've never had to beg my father for anything. I never had to beg the Lord for anything. I've pleaded with the Lord for certain things, but I've never felt like a beggar having to come to Jesus. But that's exactly what he was doing because he was hopeless. It's a hopeless so social situation. It's a hopeless family situation. It's a hopeless financial situation. It's a hopeless health situation. Occasionally, people will come to see me, and they'll bury their hands, their face in their hands, and they'll say, Pastor, it's hopeless. And I always remind them, as long as you've got Jesus, as long as you've got the church who loves you and cares for you, there's always hope. And if you have a family or a husband or a wife or children who love you, there's always hope. If there's anything the enemy wants to rob us of, it's our hope. But here was a man who was hopeless, and that's why he's begging Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Leviticus, if you'll look with me tonight, those who suffer from a serious skin disease, this would be leprosy, must tear their clothing, leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in their isolation. They must live in isolation in a place outside the camp. Now, that sounds cruel to us, but there are a couple of things you need to understand. This was protecting the rest of the community. There was no other way to protect the rest of the community. But in calling unclean and in calling to live in isolation, look at me, they were not called to be uncared for. In calling unclean and called to live in isolation, the community of faith was still supposed to care for them, look after them and look after their families and help them. So when you read this, it does sound cruel, but these were people that God was trying to protect the rest of the community from this contagious disease that they had. I think the thing that stands out to me is when Jesus touches him, and Matthew includes his story, Luke includes his story, and they tell about the touch of Jesus, you have to recognize tonight and be assured that whatever needs you're facing, God is willing and God is able. God is willing and God is able. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. 
God's will is good. It's perfect. It's pleasing. And I know so soon after the death of our friend this week, we've all believed for a miracle. He believed for a miracle right up to the very end. You say, Pastor, was God willing? I would submit to you tonight he's healed. I would submit to you tonight he's whole. I would submit to you he's far better off than you and I are. I would submit to you this evening that the ones to grieve for is his family, and it's for his wife and for his children. I would also share this with you because these words impacted me as a young man, as a, really as a boy, when, when I heard a pastor preach and his son would later become one of my very dear friends and still a dear friend. And I heard him say these words in the pulpit. He says, if God saw anything in my life that might hinder my children or hinder anybody else or my own walk, I would rather God take me early than let me live. And I don't think there was anything in our brother's life that would have made God take him. But the words of that man put courage in my soul as I was still facing death in numerous numbers of times. And that was that even when you die in Christ, God's will is still accomplished and is good. Some in the book of Hebrews, and we don't often talk about this, but some in the book of Hebrews were sawn asunder while others were raised back to life. Some in the book of Hebrews were taken captive while others set the captives free. So we have to recognize tonight, we don't know everything. And when we pray for God's will to be done, we're not praying that our will would be done over God's will. We're really praying, God, have your way and your will in my life. Why are Christians so afraid to pray what Jesus prayed? He taught you to pray that way. He taught me to pray that way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And in that hour when everything in his body and his flesh did not want to suffer and take sin upon himself. It wasn't the suffering, but it was the taking of sin. It was becoming sin for you and me, the sin of every human being. The sin of the Holocaust, the sin of the rape victim, the sin of the child molestation, the sin of war. He took it upon himself. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Why are Christians afraid to pray that prayer? It's not a cop-out. It's not a lack of faith. The greatest prayer of faith in the world is, God, thy will be done on this earth the same way it's done in the kingdom of heaven. And I pray that way for our community every day. But there's something else I'd like you to see tonight. Because you see, in the Bible, leprosy was symbolic of sin. Now, we're not saying this man was a sinner. He was, just like you and I are. But leprosy was a sign of sin. Over and over in the Bible, leprosy sin will be compared to the effects of leprosy, dulling the conscience, taking us and making us deadened to the things, even to the place that God gives us over to a depraved mind. It's, it's like the sin of leprosy. But perhaps this man was thinking, now listen, perhaps this man was thinking because he had leprosy, Perhaps the years, we don't know how long he'd had leprosy, but perhaps the years of people throwing rocks at him, which is what they did when he would come through unclean, unclean, and they would see them, they would throw, history records this for us, they would throw rocks at the lepers to drive them away rather than care for them and love them. Perhaps years had damaged his psyche, and perhaps he thought that God would not be willing 
to do a miracle for him, that God would not be willing. Maybe he thought he was not worthy of a miracle. There's so much going on in this story. He's begging Jesus. He's using the word clean and healed. He sees himself as unclean. Remember, that's what he has to say about himself. I'm unclean. And that's what as sinners we are before we give our lives to Christ. We are unclean. I wish I had a dollar for every person who told me, says, God would never forgive me. God could never forgive me. I wish I had a dollar for every time where someone is getting close to the end of their life. They ask me again, Pastor, are you sure God has forgiven me? Are you sure God has cleansed me? Are you sure this is under the blood? And it's not a matter of my being sure. It's a matter of what does the Bible say? Let's read the Bible together. What has God said? But one of my greatest promises from the Bible that I love to read to people is, is from 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Underline that sentence. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So as how is leprosy like sin? Sin defiles us and incapacitates us. Sin defiles us and incapacitates us. Secondly, sin causes distance and breakdown of relationships. Causes distance and breakdown of relationships. Sin results in loneliness. And sin has no human cure. As great as a surgeon as Dr. Bram was, he could not cure leprosy. The effects of the leprosy still remained. And when you see the defiled bodies and the hands and the ulcerated toes and the ulcerated feet, the faces where leprosy is defiled, do we not understand sin is nothing to be toyed with. Sin is nothing to be played with. Sin is nothing to be mocked at and laughed at. It's a power. It's dangerous. And it not only defiles us, it incapacitates us. And how often have we seen families and relationships, companies and businesses, somehow or another, broken down, relationships and friendships lost, marriages lost because of sin, especially unrepented sin. There are scars that go deeper than some people will ever dream. There are scars that have been plowed across the hearts of people that have been betrayed by those that they loved. And the memories of those scars, the pain of those scars, things that can bring it back to their memory, though it's forgiven, it is still scarred. And sin always results in a loneliness. I think nobody better captured this and illustrated this than C.S. Lewis did in that little book, The Great Divorce. In his book about hell and how that people ultimately become more lonely and lonely. They're just like ghosts. And it's just a powerful illustration. Sin will take you places you never dreamed you would go. It would cause you to do things you never dreamed you would do. And it will keep you there longer than you thought it would. And there's something about sin that isolates us more and more and more. You don't believe me? Go with me to the alcoholic ward. Go with me to the mental health home where the drug addict has blown his mind. Go with me to some of the places and see how lonely people end up. We may mock sin in this world because 
It seems and appears funny, but understand this. It is a serpent. It is an adder that kills and destroys. And sin has no human cure. That's why Jesus Christ came and shed his blood for you and me. And I think that's part of what Mark is trying to get across. This is what Mark is taking notes from Peter. We talked about this in the opening. He's, he's Peter's secretary, so to speak. So he's taking notes from Peter. Everything that Mark has written down, Matthew includes. In his, everything here in the book of Mark is included in the, in the gospel of Matthew. So thirdly, he shows us the touch of Jesus. The touch of Jesus cleanses and heals. The touch of Jesus cleanses and heals. You know, it's interesting to me to hear that Jesus didn't say, I forgive you. Remember how many times he healed somebody and says, your sins are forgiven? But to this man, he says, I'm willing. And he heals him. He cleans him up. You know, recently somebody sent me a Babylon B meme about iPhone users and Android phone users. And the iPhone user is standing there and saying, oh, God, I thank you that I'm not like this Android phone user. And the Android user is over there humbly praying and saying, you know, who do you think walked away forgiven, you know? I think we all have these ways that we, we wear somebody's name on our shirt. We wear somebody's name on our jeans. We, we want the right name on our car. We want the right address. We want the right college. Even though you can get just as good an education as just as good a pair of jeans, Pastor Corey was telling me that his son, that they bought him a really good pair of, of running shoes and, and that he needed for his sports. And he said they hurt his feet. They were really good running shoes. So his mama went and bought him a $5 pair of shoes from Walmart. Those ones he likes to wear. That's called wisdom. It's not trying to show off for everybody with the swoosh. It's what's comfortable, what's good on your feet. Jesus cleanses, he heals, moved with compassion. There's that word again, moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. Now understand this, you didn't touch a leper because the leper's uncleanness was transferred to you. Have you ever seen these movies where somebody touched something that had been, maybe had a spell cast on it or a magical indication, and they touch it and all of a sudden something begins crawling up their arm and suddenly they, are they turned? You ever seen those movies? You know what I'm talking about? That's what I want you to see tonight is that when, when you touched a leper, you were infected. Remember how we were all wearing masks some time ago and we were washing our hands with sanitizer or as my grandson calls it, sanitizer, and spraying the church and everything. We still are. But we were afraid. I mean, I would be walking down the sidewalk, and I'd see one of my neighbors coming. I'd step out in the street and wave at him from the streets. I didn't want to be infected. That's what this disease, it really was contagious. But when Jesus touched him, the cleanness of Jesus was transferred to the leper. Mm. My little boy is jumping up and down real big inside right now. If you could see him, you'd go, look at Pastor. He's 12 years old again. Well, I couldn't jump like that at 12, but if I was 12, that's the way I'd jump. See, when Jesus touched him, it wasn't something crawling up Jesus' arm. Power flowed out of Jesus into his body, and instantly he was healed because he was moved with compassion. Here's what I want you to know, though. Compassion carries risk. Because people were upset with Jesus when Jesus did these miracles. Remember that? 
Oh, you can do this on, don't do this on the Sabbath day. Isn't it funny how we create our man-made rules to box God in rather than just pray the prayer that never fails, thy will be done. Say that with me. Thy will be done. Never be afraid to pray that. I don't care what charismatic author, and I think I'm as charismatic as anybody comes, but I don't care what charismatic author says that. It is not a cop-out to pray, thy will be done. You know whether you're believing and trusting God or whether you're just saying that to sound spiritual. If Jesus could pray that, we could pray that. But let me show you. Jesus tells him, I want you to go show yourself to the priest. Now remember, compassion carries risk. Compassion carries risk. I came home from Bangladesh and India. Compassion carries risk. It took three years to recover from that. I have an extra hole in my body that still won't heal because of that. Compassion carries risk. But what a poor representation of Jesus if we lived our lives always playing it safe. What a poor representation of Jesus if a missionary is not willing to go where God has called him. If you're not willing to do what God has called you to do. What a poor representation of Jesus if we're too afraid to pray, thy will be done. We see what the will of Jesus is right here. But now let me show you. Jesus is going to tell him, I want you to go show yourself to the priest. And let's go back and we're going to look at the sacrifice, and I don't have the whole scripture here, so it's long. You can go back and read it. But this, this was the sacrifice, along with some cedar and some hyssop. This was a sacrifice that was made when a leper was cleansed. And God did heal lepers in the Old Testament. When a leper was cleansed, this was the sacrifice that was made. The priest will order that one bird be slaughtered over a clay pot filled with fresh water. He will take the live bird and dip into the bird, blood of the bird that was slaughtered over the fresh water. The priest will then sprinkle the blood of the dead bird seven times on the person being purified of the skin disease. Now, don't run away. Just listen to this. When the priest has purified the person, he will release the live bird in the open field to fly away. The priest will then take some of the blood of the guilt offering and apply it to the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot of the person purified. Then the priest will pour some of the olive oil Apply some of the oil in the palm over the blood, uh, some of the oil in his palm over the blood from the guilt offering that is on the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, the big toe of the right person being purified, and the priest will apply the oil remaining in his hand to the head of the person being purified. Through this process, the priest will purify the person before the Lord. Now you might be thinking, what? Really? Yeah. Aren't you thankful for grace? Now, remember I said something Sunday morning. There are a lot of types and shadows, and this offering was a shadow of what Christ was going to accomplish. So let me just walk you through this. Don't have, we can talk about it at the Q&A time if you want to. The bird killed over the pot of water is a type of Jesus' incarnation and death for us, that Jesus became a human being and lived for us. The bird stained with the blood of Jesus, excuse me, the bird stained with the blood of the bird that had been sacrificed and released is a sign of Jesus' resurrection. One dove was sacrificed, one dove was dipped in the blood and, and released. The blood applied to the man's right ear is God's word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The right thumb is God's work. 
where God says he's at work in you both to make you willing and able to do what he's called you to do. The blood of the right big, on, the, on the right big toe symbolizes God's walk. If you live in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. The oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And the reason that the blood was put upon the man that had been cleansed is the Holy Spirit cannot come upon anything that has not been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Do you remember the song you used to sing as a child, Are You Washed in the Blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Do you remember that song? You probably didn't know what all you were singing. You probably just saying, oh, yes, Jesus died for me. This is where that came from. Jesus' death and resurrection for you, and because of the blood of Jesus cleansing us from our sins, who comes and dwells in our hearts? The Holy Spirit, who is poured out without measure upon us. Somebody say, come on, victory tonight. Am I the only one excited about this? This is just rich. What happens then is that Jesus touches us. And I'm out of time, so let me just fly through this real quick. And Jesus' touch restores us. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. When Jesus touched the man, rather than something crawling at the arm of Jesus, the power of God was released. He was cleansed and healed. And when your sins are forgiven, you are healed. When your sins are forgiven, no matter what happens in this life, if I die tonight, if I die in an automobile accident later this week, if you die, here's the good news. You're clean and you're healed. And when this body quits working, there is no more pain. There is no more suffering. You simply wake up in the presence of Jesus. And we await that day of the resurrection. I could go on. I'd love to talk about that, but let me, because this is so important. I understand the man. I love to tell what Jesus did for me. Remember that? I'll give you another old song. I love to tell the story of Jesus and his glory. You remember that? I, I understand the guy. I mean, you've been a socialite cast. You've had your means of earning a living taken away. You've been taken away from your family. People throw rocks at you. You don't want to go make this sacrifice. You've got to go make this sacrifice. Jesus says, go and take the gift or the sacrifice to the priest and let him pronounce you clean. Jesus was fulfilling the law perfectly and completely because the law pointed to him. But the man, rather, he begins telling everybody, and he probably thinks, Jesus, I'm really doing you a big favor. Your fame is going to grow when I tell people what you They know. They know I've been a leper. But what he did was he hindered the work of Christ because Jesus could no longer enter a town, but people still kept coming. Jesus wasn't, listen, Jesus wasn't trying to build a miracle rally with a big band. We talked about this last week. Jesus wasn't trying to have a praise night and then the big event. Sometimes we try to treat people with the gifts of the Spirit as though they're super special and they're super saints. Jesus didn't want any of that. The miracles were to point to one thing, and that was the message that Jesus was preaching, and that was the good news that the kingdom of God has come. See, many people want the miracle, as we said last week, without the message. Many people want the miracle without the cross. 
Many people want the provision without first committing their life to Christ and salvation. So don't be disobedient by trying to outthink Jesus. And so many times we can come up with a reason why we don't witness. We can come up with a reason of why we don't go to church. We can come up with a reason why we don't tithe. We can come up with a reason why we don't help our neighbor. We can come up with a reason why, because we're afraid this is going to happen to us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if you go through a period of suffering, I promise you this, God will pull you through either in this life or in the kingdom of heaven. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest, let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Look at me. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Jesus didn't call attention to the miracle. He called attention to the fact that the sacrifice pointed to him, that the man was clean, just like you and I can be clean of our sins, and it will be a public testimony. I believe that eventually that man got there. He had to do this in order to be restored to the community. And perhaps, just perhaps, I'm reading between the lines, but I'm a faith-filled optimist. Perhaps this priest became one of the first priests to become a follower of Jesus because if you remember in the book of Acts, it says, and many priests also follow Jesus. Wouldn't that be cool if we find out that's how this story ended? Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for this word tonight. We thank you that you've cleansed us from our sins. We thank you, Lord, that we are more than overcomers in this life and in the life to come. Would you bless our friends online tonight as well as bless everyone that's here and help us to grow in faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Good night. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us today for Woodland Church and our YouTube channel. I hope you'll take a moment and click that subscribe button and also click the notifications bell so that you'll know when new things are posted. We're always putting new material up so that you can be a part of everything that's going on. We want to share those with you and we hope that they will encourage you and strengthen you in your faith as you watch. You can also find out more about Woodland Church by going to our website at woodland.church. You can find out all about us and also upcoming events. Again, thank you for joining us today.